Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. I remember when I was a young man, like, uh, my dad had a grocery store, and uh, just, you know, he just wanted to try something different, and, and he had a lot, a lot of Italian products, and we were um, in a Hunsik, and uh, we weren't far off from, from Chabanel Street, I don't know if you know that area, um, but that's where um, uh, there were a lot of Italians living in that area, and so my dad opened up a store, and, and we were, you know, basically working in this store from, I guess from from when we were about grade five. And we were, <laughs> I know it sounds weird, um, but that's just how it is in Italian families. Um, you just start working early. And before that, my dad was in construction and he continued to be in construction, but then he opened the store and put my mom in there because he felt like she was not doing enough with her life. And so, <laughs> so we all then had to migrate from doing construction to then being in this grocery store. And so we learned how to, how to just do everything. And then every once in a while, my dad would just add something new. And, and he decided one day, without consulting anyone, because, again, he was Italian, uh, <laughs> he was going to put in an ice cream machine. And so he put in this ice cream machine. And, and it took us a while for us, you know, to get the, the twirl right and to do the half and halves and, and all that kind of stuff. But we also, you know, realized that at some point, you know, the milk, you know, was going to go bad in the machine, and you had to change it, and that meant you had to clean the machine. If you've ever had to clean the ice cream machine, I want you to know that is the real reason why you cannot get ice cream at a fast food joint, because if you have to clean that machine, it is a lot of work. And so there I was, you know, just a young man holding up this heavy bucket as my father was cleaning the machine and showing my brother and I how to do it. At some point, I don't know, daydreaming, distracted, the bucket was getting heavier. It just fell on top of me, covered me from head to toe, milk everywhere, everywhere. I mean, it was a disaster. It was an unwanted disaster. Now, keep in mind that now I don't have a change of clothes. I have no way to clean myself. I have no way how to, 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 to just keep working. And house, our house at that time was in a whole other neighborhood, so there was no way for me to be able to continue there. Um, and so my dad had to go to Rockland, which wasn't too far, and buy me clothes. Um, but then he realized it was too expensive, so he went back to Chabanel. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and was bargaining for a pair of jeans and a shirt just so that I could have, you know, something to wear. And he actually had to hose me down outside the store. And I was, I was like so embarrassed. Can you imagine this being like just covered from head to toe in ice cream and your dad's there with a hose. And people are watching by and watching and, and walking by and they're saying, what is going on with this crazy Italian family in this store? And then they come in and they see that disaster everywhere. 
Well, I just want you to know that at some point, you've all experienced unwanted disaster. And interestingly enough, when people talk about disaster management, they talk about it this way. They say that there's natural disasters, there's man-made disasters, there's complex emergencies, and then there's, of course, pandemic emergencies, and we all know about that. And they say that it breaks it down even further into four categories. One is mitigation, preparedness, response, and then recovery. And they basically have a plan under each of these for whatever the emergency may be. So whatever the situation is, this is what they end up looking at, taking care of, and, and doing. And so when I think about disaster management, I think about how bad you know, it was for the people of Israel to go through this in their own lives in the desert experience. Now, we've been talking about this getting there because they're leaving a fertile land called Egypt, and even though they were enslaved there, they often looked back on it with fondness because they had things there that they obviously didn't have in the desert. Now, they don't know what it is in Canaan yet because they haven't been there. So the only thing they have to compare to is the past. Does that make sense? And, and when I think about what God has for me in the future, it's too vague. It's, it's unclear. To me, when I think about the, the future, I think, okay, yeah, it can be exciting, but it could also be, like, not. And so what I'm familiar with is the past. And, and we tend to cling to the past as a result, because it's what we know and what we want to go back to. And the people of Israel continuously talked about going back. And I always found that strange. Like, why would you want to go back? Well, it's because what, it's what they know. You know, there's a scripture that talks about how we can get so comfortable in darkness that we can actually sit there and never want to leave. That we can get so adjusted to being in the dark that it begins to feel like there's just enough light for us to be able to survive there. And instead of wanting to leave the darkness, we just stay where we are. And when you're in a desert experience, you're in a transition. It means that what you've left for sure is better than where you are because where you are right now feels like every day it's like another unwanted disaster. And when we're living life from one unwanted disaster to another, we're just always living in a crisis. And when we're always living in a crisis, then we're always going to be complaining about that crisis. And when we're complaining about that crisis, we're also going to always feel like no one cares about us as we are in that crisis. We're going to believe that God has zero to no concern about us because we're always in a crisis. Have you ever seen yourself just go from one crisis to the next, to the next, to the next, and feel like they were never going to end? You were living a season of unwanted disaster. And, and maybe that was because of a natural thing. Maybe because it was a man-made thing. Maybe it was because of someone else's thing. And maybe it was all your doing thing. But whatever it was, it didn't change the fact that when you look at something that was better, you sometimes just want to go back. And I remember doing that in, early on in my spiritual journey. 
I remember there were times when I felt like being a follower of Jesus was just too hard. It was just too complicated. It was just too many things that I had to give up. And, and I've often thought about this phrase where people have often misinterpreted this, and they talk about it like, like it's just something that you have to carry. It's something that's a burden you have to bear. And they say, you know, take up your cross and, and, and follow Jesus. And we often think that that cross is just a burden. But that's not what that means. Taking up your cross means dying to the old things. It's not about carrying a burden. It's about dying to the old life. So when Jesus says, I want you to take up your cross and follow me, he's saying, I want you to die to the old life. And unless you're willing to die to the old life, then, then, then your life is going to be one burden after another, after another, one disaster after another, after another, that you are not able to break the cycle of. And so I want you to take up your cross and follow me. And we looked at this briefly in another story when the waters at Marah were bitter. Moses had to throw in a piece of wood to make it sweet. And then the wood was a symbol of the cross that was, would one day come and take all that was bitter and make it sweet again. And I want you to imagine that there are things in our life that are unwanted. And, and what God does in the transitions of our life is that he is training us. And so when we are in a transition, we're being trained. And the reason he's training us is because he wants to lead you to a place of transformation. Now, if, if you don't accept the transition that you're in, then you're going to rebel against any form of training that comes your way. You're not going to see it as training. What you're going to see it as is just disaster. You're just going to look at it and you're going to say, this is just God disciplining me. And you're not going to take that as training. You're just going to take that as a rebuke. And instead of it bringing you closer to God, it's going to push you further from him. And so when I'm experiencing disaster, I have to sometimes wonder, God, is this just like something natural? Is this something unnatural? Is this something coming at me spiritual? Or is this something because of my own doing? I have to analyze that. I have to look at that. Is, is this Satan just making my life hard? Or is this me and my choices bringing disaster into my life? And what the people of Israel didn't recognize is that they were constantly being faced with this reality of, yes, they were being tested in the desert, but they were also being trained. And, and they didn't accept the training. They didn't want that training. And so they were making demands. And the Bible says that when you are in a crisis, you're going to begin to complain. And when you complain, it's because you're not accepting the situation that you're in. And therefore, I wonder if I'm complaining, Lord, is it because I'm rebelling against the training and the transition that I'm in? 
Am I railing against you because I don't like the way you're trying to bring about transformation? Or is it that I am actually lustfully greedy and filled with ungratitude? And so making demands, we're going to see in this story, always brings discipline. And it's something that I struggle with because I look at the scriptures and I say, I have a God who's a great God who has given me incredible promises that I can rely on and and go to and depend on and and I, I can utilize to see my life changed and transformed by. And so when is it that I'm making a demand of the Lord and when is it that I'm just exercising my faith of the Lord? You see, when I make a demand of the Lord, I think I'm going beyond what God has prescribed. Beyond what He has allowed, beyond what He has said, beyond what He is putting me through that He wants me to live through, and I'm just trying to get out from under. And so in Numbers 11, let's take a look at these verses. In verse 31 to 34, We're going to see that out of their complaint for always eating the same thing, they were always eating manna, that they decided that they were going to complain against God and they were going to demand meat. And so God affects the migration of birds. And he has these birds diverted into the desert. And he allows them by the hundreds, possibly hundreds of thousands, to accumulate in the desert. He gave them so much meat that they became disgusted with how much they had. They had complained so much that God gave them more than what they had even asked for. In the scriptures, it describes it as being somewhere around three feet deep of birds. And so the people went out, and what did they do? They caught quail all that day, in verse 32, and throughout the next day, and all the next day too. And look at this, no one gathered less than 50 bushels. And they spread the quail out around the camp for it to dry. But while they were gorging themselves on the meat, and while it was still in the mouths of those who had complained, look at this, the anger of the Lord blazed against the people. He saw them gorging in their greed. Do you you understand what's happening in the story? And the place was called Kibroth Hadavah, because in that moment, he struck them with a severe plague, which means, look at this, graves of gluttony. Because they buried the people Look at this, who craved meat from Egypt. So not everybody died, but some did. And the Bible says that the ones who died were the ones who were the greediest. The ones who were gorging themselves. That the level of gluttony that they were living went against everything that God had prescribed for them. 
And so I look for wisdom in the scriptures. And, and, and Proverbs often provides it. And Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3, tells us this. It says that a prudent person is going to foresee danger. Remember we talked about disaster management? And what are they going to do? They're going to take precautions. Remember what the first rule was? Mitigation. It means you're going to calculate, you're going to evaluate, you're going to, you're going to prepare, and you're going to be ready for what comes next because you're going to want to recover. But it says that the simple-minded person, the simpleton, goes blindly on and does what? And just suffers the consequences. And so God is saying, I, I know that you're all wanting to avert and avoid disaster, but there's going to be a way for you to accomplish that. You see, avoiding unwanted disasters is, is going to be understood through what Proverbs says. It says that we need to be prudent. It, it means that we're going to have to foresee danger. It means that we're going to have to take precaution and not be like the simple-minded person who just suffers the consequences because all they do is gorge themselves through their greed on what is there. God says, I don't want you to be this type of person. And so when we come into the presence of God and we come with our requests, here's why it is always good, it is always best, it is always preferable for us to come before God with praise before we go into prayer. Because if you get to the place where you're just thanking God for who He is and for what He's already done for you in your life, you're going to see how your prayers will be transformed. And you're going to be reminded of your purpose. And then you're going to be able to recall and call upon the promises of God. And then you're going to be able to move from that place and you're going to be able to say, Lord, I want you more than anything else. And I know that my peace can only come from you. I know that my protection can only come from you. I know that my prosperity can only be because of you. You see, when you get to that place, it is because you went to a place of praise before you just went to a place of prayer, which can often just lead you into a place of complaint. I, I know it's easy for us to complain I know it's easy for us to just go before God and whine and, and, and unburden ourselves. And you know what? God can take it. He's not shocked by any of that. He knows we've been whiny forever. He knows that. He knows that we're often unhappy. He knows that we're often complaining. He, he, he's not shocked and surprised by any of that. But what, what he is shocked by is our inability to take the next step in our faith journey. You see, the reason we want to move away from being a whiner and a complainer to a person who is filled with faith and is filled with praise is so that we can show God that we are making progress in the transition of life that we're in. That He doesn't have to keep disciplining us. That we don't have to keep reliving and living new disasters, but rather that we can make new discoveries of how great God is and how many great things He can do for us if we will just remain faithful and keep trusting Him 
and keep believing in him, he will always be our deliverer. We need God's wisdom. We need it to lead us away from danger and from disaster. That's what Proverbs tells us. It, it reminds us that this is what we're going to have to do. But God wants us also to experience so much more. And I don't know about you, but I know that even when I'm not asking for God to protect me, I, I live with the promise that he's protecting me. Anybody else? And that doesn't mean that I don't get injured. I rolled my ankle a few weeks ago, and, and I've, I've been in excruciating pain for like about three weeks now, and it just finally started to get better. It's one of those things that it just takes a long time to heal. Have you ever had that kind of an injury where it just, it just lingers, and every day you wake up and it hurts, and every day you take a step and it hurts, and every day when you're lying in bed, it's, hurt, it's hurting you and it's keeping you awake? And sometimes you wonder, Lord, but I was out serving you. I was, I was doing stuff for other people, and I got injured. Why didn't you protect me? Do you think I, you think I ever said that? No, I never, I never even brought it up. It, it's a waste of time. <laughs> I, I, I know how this life works now. I know that I'm not protected from everything, but I'm protected in a way that God takes any situation and uses it to train me, discipline me, prepare me. Because no matter what the transition is in my life, if he's telling me to slow down and to rest and I don't do it, then he's going to cripple me. And I had to take an entire week off to get off my foot because it kept swelling up. It was twice the size of the other one. I mean, feet are already ugly, but this foot was disgusting. When it swells up to twice the size, God was telling me, you just got to have to rest. And if you're not going to do it, I'm going to show you how you're going to do it. And I think that when we are being trained by God in the transitions of our life, it's all about the transformation he really wants to lead us to. It's, it's not the moment in which we're being disciplined, but it's what that discipline means for the next moments to come. Do you see that? Sometimes I, I, I discipline my children in the moment that we're in, but it's not just for this moment. It's for future moments. I, I don't discipline them for today for what they did right or wrong. I, I, I discipline them because I don't want them to be that kind of person in the future. I want them to be better than me. I want them to do better than I ever did. I want them to, to be a, a great human being, not just a great follower of Jesus. And, and, I, and I, as I discipline my kids, I'm trying to teach them that these are the values that matter. This is the characteristics you need to have. I don't want you to be this way because no one wants to be around a person who's like this. And you're going to have more problems in your life if you continue on this path. And I want you to break free from this because if you don't, then you're not going to be able to have and be everything that God wants you to be. And so if I can understand these things when I'm training and teaching my children to help them lead to a place of transformation, how much better is God at this for all of us? Are, are we going to trust God for that? Are, are we going to just understand that he's doing this for us? You see, when the meat arrived, so did the plague. Did you get that? You see, God gives you what you want 
You have that free will. You want this? I'm going to give it to you. You want it so much? I'm going to give you so much of it you can gorge on it. But with it, but with it comes a plague. And so we've got to be careful what we ask for. Does that make sense? You see, they were asking for meat. God gave them so much meat that with it came disease. They gorged on it so much that they actually got sick from it. And they had to be buried in the desert because of it. And they named those graves greedy graves. Graves of gluttony. Can you imagine? That's what they were remembered for. In Numbers 11, in verse 18 to verse 20, look at what it says in this passage. It says, and say to the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow you're going to have meat to eat. So I think that there's some people who did it, and they lived. And then there were some who didn't, and they died. You see, God gave them a warning to purify themselves, meaning get right. The spirit of complaint, I want it to be gone from your heart. But there were those whose hearts had already been hardened. And so when it came to eat the meat, some lived and others died. Does that make sense? This is the answer here in this passage. And he says, you were whining, and the Lord heard you when you cried, oh, for some meat. We were better off in Egypt. And God says, you keep yearning for the past. You keep doing that. You keep looking back. And so I'm going to give it for you to eat. And so for anyone who then didn't cleanse themselves of that and say, Lord, forgive me, Forgive me for whining, for complaining. Forgive me for not trusting, not believing. Forgive me for not allowing you to train me or transform me. Forgive me for yearning for the past and for a place of slavery. Forgive me for not trusting you. You said that tomorrow you're going to give me meat. I am going to believe in that, and I ask you to forgive me and my household for the way that we have behaved. And those who ate the meat, having done those things, lived. But those whose hearts had been hardened, they're the ones who died. And so God says, look, I get it when you're complaining, when you're whining. I get it when your heart gets hard. I get it when you're angry with me. I get it. I understand it. But there has to come a time where you have to confess this, where you have to repent of it, where you're going to have to turn away from it, and where you're going to have to allow me to do a new work in you. And so the passage reminds us as we're reading it that now the Lord, sorry, if we could just go back, back to verse 18, now the Lord will give you the meat and you will have to eat it. Now we can switch. And it won't be for just a day or two or for five or ten or even twenty. You will eat it for a whole month. Look at this. Until you gag and are sick of it. Because you have rejected the Lord who is here among you and you have whined to him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? 
And so God says, I'm going to give you so much of what it is that you want that you're just going to, you're going to hate it. You're going to despise it. And it's interesting because we can do that in relationships. You can get everything from a person and then hate them. You can get everything as a reward and despise the rewarder. You can have so much of a good thing that it can also become distasteful in your own mouth. You see, God teaches us discipline so that we can understand moderation, so that we can understand that too much of anything is never going to be a good thing. And I don't know what you've been gorging on. I don't know what you've been greedy about. I don't know what you've been driven by. But I want to pray right now that in Jesus' name that chain will be broken. And that you will no longer be enslaved to your Egypt. Because what God has in store for you is so much better than what it is that you keep gorging on. Because you don't want to end up in a gluttonous, greedy grave in the transition of your life. I don't want to be led by lustful greed, and I don't want to be led by an ungrateful heart. Because that's when life becomes more painful than it needs to be. And God is trying to warn us of that. That's why he's speaking to us about this in this passage. Because these individuals who were being led by God and being led out, well, they got locked into a pattern of complaining and demanding. And I believe that this is why they weren't able to break that cycle. This is why things got worse and never got better. I want you to do just a quick, a quick evaluation and see if you are in a place where you are locked into a pattern of complaining and demanding. Is there anywhere in your life where this is happening? Because if it's happening, then here's what's going to happen. It's going to lead you into a place of ingratitude and then distrust. Just like the Israelites, their hearts got hardened, and they weren't able to repent. And as a result, they found themselves just farther and farther from God. And so in Hebrews chapter 3, and in verse 7 and 8, it says, this is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. As Israel did when they rebelled and when they tested me in the wilderness. Do you see that? God is saying, don't do what they did. Don't let your hearts get hard. See, in the transitions of life, our hearts can get hard. We can look to God and be angry. We can get whiny and complaining. We can get to the place where we just don't trust him anymore, where we yearn for the things of the past because we can't believe that the things in the future could be any better than what we've already lived. We look at the moments that we're in, and we're not allowing those things to train us and to prepare us for what's next. We're just complaining, allowing our hearts to go greedy and hardened and distressful. But we don't want to be like the Israelites in the story. You see, when you get what you demand, here's what happens. 
it comes spoiled. And God is saying, I don't want that to be you. I'll give it to you, but you'll see that it'll never be able to nourish you. It'll never be able to sustain you. It'll never be able to move you from the place where you are to the place where you need to be. Instead, it's going to come with consequences. And that's going to be the discipline that I'm trying to avoid having to give you. And that's why the meat came with the plague. And that's why some died and others didn't. Because what they did in that transition is even when they recognized that what they had done was wrong, they at least repented of it. And they asked God to forgive them. And when God forgave them, he delivered them. And I want that to be us. I want that to be you. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11, it makes it clear that no discipline is enjoyable. While it's happening, it's painful. But then it says, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Can we say amen to that? See, God's saying, I'm able to train you in a manner in which it will bring blessing into your life. It's going to be painful for the moment, but it's not going to be like that forever. Because his discipline is intended to prepare us. His discipline is there for us to face the challenges and the conflicts that lie in our future. And God wants to deliver us from those things that are meant to hurt us. Are you ready for that in your own life? Are you ready to receive God's word this way so that you can experience greater things? We're learning from their transition. We're learning from what they went through for the things that they did wrong so that we can do them right. And this is our chance to go before God and say, God, I want to do things right now. I want to do them your way. I don't want to do it the way that I've done them in the past. I want to do them in the way that you have in store for us, the way that you have it in store for me right now. Are you ready to pray that prayer with me? Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.